Thank you for downloading the Parent's Guide to 13 Reasons Why podcast with Danny Huerta from Focus on the Family. For more parenting advice from Danny and other experts, visit focusonthefamily.com slash parenting. Hi, everybody. I'm Danny Huerta, Vice President of Parenting and Youth at Focus on the Family. And, you know, when Netflix released uh, the show 13 Reasons Why, it, it was an instant hit with teens. It's been very popular. It's been at the top of uh, the Netflix list for, for quite a while. And it's given a, a frank and realistic picture of what our teens are facing and what they're up against. So that's why we want to equip you with these discussions on very, very difficult topics through this podcast. And we want to we recognize the concerns that are on your mind, and we want to enter some very difficult conversations with, with kids. I know in my in my own home, I've entered all these topics that we're talking about with my 12 and 14-year-old. They're very, very important. I want to equip them. And we it wasn't just one conversation. It's been multiple discussions and conversations. So through the Parents' Guide to 13 Reasons Why, that was the heart behind that, was to give us as parents some ideas for discussions that are difficult that we probably most likely would not enter uh, on, a, on a day-to-day basis. But let's do that as parents. Believe it or not, uh, sexual assault and rape is something that affects our kids, that kids have to face, even at the age of 10, 12, 14. And so it's something that we do have to be aware of and discuss and talk about. So, in fact, 25% of high school girls, that's one in four girls, have been abused physically or sexually. And then they're 26 times more likely to abuse drugs and 12 times more likely to use alcohol, which you know is an escape. And then a lot of other things start to happen and unravel in a person's life. And so the victims aren't just girls as well. Boys are also victims in this case. And uh, the, the things show up differently for boys. So what I want to do today is is uh, talk through with Glenn and Christina. And I'm very happy to have Glenn and Christina here with me. They've been with us on the previous discussions. And if you haven't uh, listened to those discussions, make sure you do so. But Glenn, Christina, thanks for joining us again. You guys are counselors. You've been doing this for a long time. You love teens. You, Glenn, you've had teens of your own. Right. Thanks for being here with us. My Thank pleasure you. to be That's with great. you, Danny. Now, what's the difference between rape and sexual assault? Well, with rape, rape is sexual penetration that takes place against one's consent. Sexual assault, it's broader than that. It includes rape, but it's any type of sexual behavior. Uh, You can even uh, understand in the context of words, unwanted words that are shared uh, that are sexual of nature and and are offending to the the individual, the victim. Glenn, thanks for that clarification of those two things. That can be confusing. So what, what effects does this have on the victim, somebody that's been raped or sexually assaulted? Yeah, this um, really damages the personhood of a person. It really can cause depression or really affect somebody's identity of how they view themselves and how they perceive other people to view them. So it really is damaging um, on the ability for somebody to feel confident in who they are and who God's created them to be. And there's a, there's a deep level of shame that often is created. Yeah. I think uh, particularly mm-hmm. for, for guys, when guys are sexually assaulted, uh, there's, there's an anger 
that wells within them. And a lot of times, if that's not dealt with, that'll come out in marriage mm-hmm. in, in the form of domestic violence or at least um, verbal abuse. Absolutely. Right. And it really speaks to the safety of a person. Like, you know, when when somebody's been sexually assaulted and and their safety has been compromised, it affects their ability to function across the board. So there's a term PTSD. I'm sure a lot of people have talked about that. This yeah, is post-traumatic this is stress res- disorder. Tell us a little bit about what that means in this case. What is that? What, what happens to a person when it gets to that level? This is where people really get stuck um, in being able to function. Your brain is so stressed that you're not able to. So there's nightmares. There's, there's... nightmares. There's um, inability to eat. Um, a lot of times people are not sleeping. Um, Sometimes there's overeating. There some, can be overeating. Because they don't want to be attractive anymore. They right. don't want to be assaulted anymore. They right. they don't want this to ever happen again, so they want to become unattractive right. uh, to well, whoever's around Well, you see people them. that are starting to um, wear frumpy clothes or they're wearing their clothes all the time. Um, we see girls will start wearing bathing suits in the shower, just very sensitive to not even being willing to be touched at all. Um, you'll start to see a lot of, um, jumpiness around people because there's just this hyper sense of awareness, um, of, of not being safe. And with PTSD, there's, there's a lot of fear of experiencing, re-experiencing the situation again in their minds. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of consumes life, and it's almost like living in a war zone. You know, 95% of rapes, sexual assaults go unreported, yeah. according to statistics, and that's very concerning. So we really need to know these warning signs and, and pay attention to these. Absolutely. Because they're not going to, like you said, Glenn, there's a lot of shame mm-hmm. in hiding with this. Right. Is there something I did? Is there something that something wrong with me? Mm-hmm. Uh, why would I share this? What are they going to say? My parents are going to get upset at me because this was sexual. Or they're not going to be believed. I know um, at least girls, well, I think, and guys, tend to not report it because they feel like there's some kind of responsibility in their behavior. Like, well, you know, it's my fault because I was flirting with him and then all of a sudden it went too far and I didn't say no. Um, Or they just think that it's not a big deal. You know, it just went a little further and well, yeah, I didn't want it, but it wasn't like he raped me. You know, he just fondled me and I didn't want I didn't want it but I didn't say no so then they don't feel like it's sexual assault but yet it has this um, power over them that that is taken away their safety and so I would encourage teens and parents to be talking about how do you engage in the conversation of of even if you've been assaulted how do you tell somebody that how do you tell a friend? How do you tell a parent when you've been sexually assaulted? Even if it's not gone all the way to sex, it's still an assault. It right. still has jeopardized your safety and, and needs to be addressed. So how do we help our kids not get not be a victim of, of sexual assault or rape? How do we and we can't we can't keep them safe from everything, but how do we help equip our kids in the way they handle themselves and situations they put themselves in? How do we do that? 
Well, it's it's important to to think smart. Yes. And and what Christina was mentioning, as far as people, you know, their fears that well, I may have done something that that put me in a place of, of danger, doesn't mean that we shouldn't voice ways of being safe. Uh, I think of the uh, the slogan in real estate: location, location, location. And we need to to talk about what are places that may make you more vulnerable using drugs, alcohol, those are going to be things that make, uh, there's a greater vulnerability. You're not responsible for what somebody does to you, but you are responsible for where you are. So having conversations about that and, and, and the, just the importance of respecting who you are, that you're created in the image of God, you're valuable as you are. That is, that is a very, very good point, Glenn. Uh, our value can be tainted by this quickly. I remember a a young woman that came into the office after having been sexually assaulted, and she had done just that. She said, man, I, I wish I, I wouldn't have gone to this party. Right. And then in that party, there was a lot going on. Right. Right. And one thing led to another, and it was a date rape drug. Yeah. She didn't know that. Right. Uh, and she was very uh, repentant, very mm-hmm. sad, sorrowful that she did this. The great piece to, to what, what happened here was that she said, I will not do this again, and I'm going to bounce back from this. Her motivation to want life, and she saw the value of her life right. and right. wanted to restore that. Right. That's what we want in, our, in, the, in a kid that's been assaulted, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. And, and to realize that you know people are getting into social situations, and especially if there's drugs and alcohol involved, um, we see people that get a little bit tipsy with alcohol and then all of a sudden are at risk for being taken advantage of or having that unwanted behavior. Or if somebody, you know, has had alcohol in their system, they get to a point where either they're not seeing the cues that people are giving. And so you have a kid who isn't intending to sexually assault somebody, but does so because they're not able to read the signs and you have somebody who's used some alcohol who's not giving those signs so there it really ends up being a bad mix so the more you can have um teach kids how to think smart how to to be in control of themselves and aware of their surroundings so that they're not being put into a position i remember my parents telling me when i was a kid um that I needed to stay in a group setting because if I got into a one-on-one situation, I was more likely to be in a powerless situation. So keeping Mm -hmm. myself, you know, in a group situation or keeping myself around um, people who can see what's happening instead of in a dark corner by myself in some area where nobody can see or be aware of what's happening. That's just street smarts. Mm -hmm. Teaching your kids how to have street smarts and think can be a way to protect your kids from this. I mean, this is a worse nightmare for us as parents to have a child come and tell us this has happened. And I think that the kids, children really misperceive, really don't see the fact that as parents, we want to come alongside them if if this actually happens. And so if a child, that worst nightmare happens, how does a parent respond to this in a way that's going to be helpful and connecting in a time that is really extremely difficult for a parent to manage? Absolutely. I think the first thing is parents need to have grace with the situation that, that their children were in. 
a lot of times it is easy for parents to react of, well, you know, you shouldn't have been at that party. You shouldn't have been doing, you know, this activity and then you wouldn't have gotten hurt. It's important to realize that no matter what the situation that your child was in when this occurred, always believe your child and be willing to listen to your child's story. This is not the time to punish or educate them about the do's and don'ts of drinking or hanging out in inappropriate places. Um, That education can come later. In this moment, your child needs compassion. They need you to listen to them and engage with them and, and believe them. And if it's been a situation where a rape has taken place within the last 72 hours, there's great value in going to the hospital. Absolutely. Um, Contacting the police. I mean, things where a person who is responsible for a crime does really need to be held accountable uh, for for their actions. What if it's longer than 72 hours, Glenn? Well, I think in in that situation, if it's longer than 72 hours, there still may be some value in having a medical exam. Of some sort, but um, you know, going to the hospital may not fall into that taint. That same you still have to report it. Yeah, I think it's still important. Uh, Sometimes people will keep, you know, they'll not share something that's happened a long, long time ago. But when it does come out, because typically, if somebody is going to be involved in some type of rape situation, there's a fair chance that that's going to be behavior that's going to be repeated in some form or other. Now, but sexual assault sometimes happens within the family. So mm-hmm. a lot of times there's hesitation to report because now it's a it could be a dad, it could be an uncle, it could mm-hmm. be a son. Right. It could be someone else in the family, and that becomes right. really right. difficult. So how do you help a child? Many times children don't want to report it because... They feel bad for the family I don't the want to get so-and-so in trouble. That's mm-hmm. right. And especially we see this a lot in in schools when, okay, well, I know so-and-so. He's on the football team or, you know, she's on the cheerleading squad. And mm-hmm. I, I don't want her to get in trouble. Or, you know, if I report this, the whole school going to know. And, you know, or I'm going to lose my family because, you know, child protection is going to come in and so-and-so is going to go to jail. It is really important to help the person that has been sexually assaulted understand that they are not responsible for the consequences of the other person's behavior and that it still needs to be reported so that they can the person who did this can get the help that they need because if you don't report this you're not getting the help that you need and you're preventing this other person from getting the help they need So is there hope for recovery? Does therapy really work with this? Absolutely. We see it, Mm -hmm. um, recovery work very well for the people who get in on both both parties, both the person who ended up in a bad situation and did the sexual assault as well as the person who was sexually assaulted. Um, Especially if you've been sexually assaulted as a teenager or a young adult, getting those kids in with other kids who have been sexually assaulted can be very healing. So if you're a parent and you have a middle schooler or a high school student that's been sexually assaulted, see how fast you can get them in to a group with other teenagers in your area that have also been sexually assaulted because they need to hear that it's happened to other people and that it's not just them. And shame tends to fester in silence. 
So in counseling, the opportunity for a person to be able to give voice to their feelings, to express it, to kind of challenge some of their thoughts, because again, as Christina mentioned, the tendency is to blame oneself for another person's actions. And so, yeah, it's not easy, and there are ramifications for situations. Counselors are mandated reporters, but that law is there for a good reason. And I think a lot of times when families go the opposite, they tend to hunker down and say, well, we're not going to tell anyone. That really ends up being counterproductive. Well, and you're not helping your family. Right. You're actually keeping the unhealthiness um, brewing, and then all kinds of other problems will fester. And what I tell parents, even if you're not really wanting this information to come out, if you keep this a secret and you don't report it, you're more likely to lose your kids to drugs, alcohol, sex, um, or even having child protection come in and take your kids because if it comes out later, like in high school, that your child was sexually assaulted in junior high, child protection is going to come in and say, hey, how come you didn't tell us? How come you didn't deal with this? How come you kept it a secret? And they're going to question your parenting. And that's what we don't want to see happen. I think it's automatic that parents want to seek or need to seek professional help. Absolutely. the, The encouraging part for us as Christians is that God has said he's our refuge and our strength in time of difficulty. He mm-hmm. is with us whenever we're in uh, difficult situations yes. and when we've been hurt. And he's, he's right there in the whole moment, uh, even when there's pain. And that's sorrow to him. And he died on the cross so that we could uh, live forgiven, but also to live in this grace and this amazing love where there's restoration. He's a God of restoration yes. of relationships and of people and our identity. And so thank you so much, Glenn and Christina, for all the great information yeah. that you provided. Welcome. And people Good to be with you. Yeah, excellent. Thank you. And and people can talk to to you over the phone. Right? Yes, this would be one of those situations that I would encourage parents. If you find out that your child has been sexually assaulted, give us a call. We are more than happy to walk through this. We, we're not happy that your child's going through this or that you need our services, but we're here to help you and walk you through this difficult time and to be able to help navigate how to make those reports and get the help that your child needs. So feel free to call our uh, 1-800-A-FAMILY um, and, and ask to speak to a counselor. We are more than happy to, to talk with you and walk you through this situation. And provide other ideas for resources. Right, right, right. Counselors, local counselors that people can pursue beyond our consultation. All right, check out focusonthefamily.com slash 13 reasons for more information on sexual assault and how to help your teen navigate and get through this. And as a family, some discussions about this topic you also find a, a great reference guide there, free download, that captures everything we've talked about. And make sure, again, you listen to the previous discussions that we've had on this Parents' Guide to 13 Reasons Why podcast. So thank you so much for joining us today on this show, and uh, we look forward to the next discussion. Please tune into that.